Welcome to Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. Today on the show, we will have Father Scott Trainer with us. Uh, he is the Vicar for Lay and Clergy Formation for the Diocese of Sioux Falls. And we're going to talk about his call to the priesthood and his life as a priest. He has a really good uh, call to the priesthood story, so I hope you'll stick around for that. First, we are going to have Dr. B on with some Biblical Bites with Dr. B. Good morning, Renee. That was as close to a ditty Jingle. as you're going ditty. to get. Jingle. Jingle. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. Okay. Dr. B. Fifth Sunday of Lent. Yes. We're coming down to the wire here. Yeah, how many Sundays are left? I can never... Well, is it? well six, the sixth Sunday of Lent is Palm Sunday, Passion Oh, my Sunday. goodness. So we're... So, yeah. Wow. So we're. I think this is called... Now, now the liturgists out there can correct me, but I think this is actually called Passion Tide. So in the oh. United States, today's the day. If you've been to Mass already, you've noticed your church, in your church, they may well have covered a number right. of the images that yeah. actually begins on the fifth Sunday of Lent. So move a visible symbol that we're we're not at Holy Week yet, but we're dark. We're we're a week really away. close. Yep. 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 Um, so actually, so because we have just a little bit more time than usual, I'm going to start off in a slightly different direction. Than okay. Okay. How's your Lent going? Um, it's going okay. Yeah. And any I'm curious, any particular insights for you? I know. I'm I know. not doing a very good job this year. I mean, it's going okay. I'm doing the um, give up worry for Lent. Right book. And most days I remember to read the day and do the thing. And there've been a couple of days I've forgotten or felt fall asleep early or right. something, but, but it's been going pretty good. So I think that's pretty common for most of us that yeah. we're, it's, you know, so we are over five weeks in. Yeah. Um, and actually that's not quite true. We're five weeks in. We're five, five, well, yeah. five well, weeks in a few days. Cause yeah, that yeah. really with Ash yeah. Wednesday. So it was, yeah. yeah. Um, and where I was, oh, but we're not, well, never mind. Forget the math for a minute. Um, and we're like, oh, it's been t- what you just said, I think is a common experience. So mm-hmm. I, I just want to encourage people uh, before we go look at the reading for today to really, so passion tide, we're coming down to it. Um, maybe it's been a great Lent. Maybe it's been a, eh, mm-hmm. quote unquote, double down. Okay. Like don't like, so like sort of dust yourself off. If you've fallen, pick up the pace. If your good's going well. And these last two weeks, I think, really enter into the spirit of the season. Yeah. Images are covered, so maybe it can be a visual reminder to really enter in. So, so finish strong. Finish strong. Finish yeah. strong. Yeah. All right. So the gospel for today, and, and there will be a connection here. The gospel today is from John chapter 12, and it just it starts this way, and, and we're going to focus on early on. Some Greeks who had come to worship at the Passover, Passover feast came to Philip who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Amen. I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. Um, I'm going to do this something to Jesus we shouldn't do. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> He's, he, he knows, that last part kind of fell apart, Dr. Yeah. Wee. <laughs> so... Phil, so this is the moment um, where Jesus, like now the hour has come. So throughout John's gospel, my hour has not yet come. Mm-hmm. Uh, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Right. Cana, his mom. But now when the Greeks turn to Jesus, the Gentiles, oh. the non-Jews, they come to Jesus, but they don't go to Jesus directly. Mm-hmm. They go for, they start with Philip. And Philip goes to Andrew, mm-hmm. and then together Andrew and and Philip go and tell Jesus 
Um, then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and now my hour has come. Mm-hmm. So Jesus's hour is is the recognition for him. This is this is when he is going to be glorified by dying on the cross for our sins and then rising again. Right. Um, the fact that the Gentiles are now consciously seeking to know Jesus is the indicator for him that that time has oh, come. Okay. So so. I didn't know that. What is this? What does this have to do with Lent? Well, my hour has come. Maybe, maybe look at these last two weeks of Lent as a time for you to. Well, this the time has come. The mm-hmm. hour has come for us to draw closer to our Lord. Just so, so most of us are Gentile Christians. Right. Some of right. us are Jewish Christians, but very few. Right. So most most of us are Gentile Christians. Let us follow the example of these ancient Greeks who went to the apostles and the apostles brought them to Jesus. Okay. So as, as we're looking at, again, these, these final two weeks, um, follow that example of them. Let us enter more fully into and recognize that Jesus hour has, has come. Okay. So they, they came to Philip and Philip brought them to Andrew and Andrew and Philip both go to Jesus. Um, that that idea of seeking the example of others and then drawing closer to Jesus Himself. Does yeah, that make sense? It does. How's your Lent going? My Lent's going really <laughs> well. The Lord's in ten seconds. Um, I pray too often so that so that the Lord will do something for oh, me sure. where I need to draw Him my myself, just like these Gentiles. Do. Yeah, yeah, that's good advice. Thanks, Doctor V. You bet. All right, I have Father Scott Trainer in the studio with me today. Welcome, Father Scott. Hi, Renee. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Glad to hear it's it. It's a well. Hopefully, it's a glorious day outside. I haven't looked outside for a little while, and it may have changed because it was snowing on my way here. Maybe we could put a sunroof in your cool studios. Ooh, what do you think? That'd be great, Bill. No? <laughs> Bill says no. <laughs> all right, we get to talk to Father Trainer today. He comes in a lot and talks about great stuff. This time, we get to talk all about him, which is kind of scary, huh? No. I'll do the best I can. <laughs> All right. So um, you are currently the vicar for lay and clergy formation for the diocese. But of course, that's clearly not how it started. Uh, clearly so, not. <laughs> so will you tell us, start by telling us from the beginning, uh, why, wh- how did you get your call to the priesthood? Where Where were you? What you? What were you doing? What was going on? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm adopted. I was adopted at birth. Okay. And uh, my parents, John and Donna, had me baptized when they brought me home. And I was raised in a Catholic family, 12 years of Catholic school mm-hmm. uh, at St. Joe's in West St. Paul and St. Thomas Academy in the Twin Cities there. <laughs> so uh, really grateful for the good education I got there. Uh, but unfortunately, by the time I really, about, from the time I got my driver's license, uh, I was not very interested in practicing the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, so while I was at home, I was sneaking around, not going to mass, but. So like, did your parents go to mass? Oh yeah. Then, yeah. Like oh, we okay. always went to, yeah, we're going to mass every You're Sunday. You're like, I'm sick. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I had to work. Oh, okay. See, I had to work. Oh, so I go to mass okay, later sure. or not. And, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> and, uh, then when I went off to college at Iowa state, um, I was a engineering major. I had my Navy ROTC scholarship. My big plan for my life was I was going to be a Navy pilot. Nice. That was the plan. My husband went to Iowa state. Oh, go Cyclones. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> and uh, so uh, things really started to change my sophomore year of college. Mm-hmm. Um, I started going back to Mass because uh, a girl I wanted to date was going to church. And I knew if I wanted to hang out with her, she I had to go to Mass. Mm. 
Nice. So truly uh, the first time I went to mass, uh, it was during orientation time. I was down there for some fraternity stuff and I just sat in the back of the church really hoping no one would notice me. Was I this at the Newman Center At then? the Newman Center yeah, at okay. Iowa State. Okay. And uh, just hoping that no one would really notice me. And I remember the experience of feeling like I didn't belong at Mass. Mm-hmm. Not because the people were as nice as could be, but there was just something in me like, I don't belong here. And that really bothered me. Yeah. Like, what's going on in my life that I don't feel like I belong at a Sunday Mass? I mean, if anyone had asked, are you Catholic? Well, of course I'm Catholic. Right. Are you going to church? Well, yeah, not so much. Not and, that kind uh, of Catholic. Yeah, right. <laughs> Right. Not like a fundamentalist Catholic. Right. right. Uh, so um, anyway, so that started changing my sophomore year. And through the, that relationship, met a number of very committed, wonderful Christian people, mostly non-denominational evangelical mm-hmm. people. And they became like one of my groups of friends. Sure. And as I've shared many times, um, the joy of those good people, like sincere joy, not like just not the Optimist Club, right. not like kind of just like, oh, we're always in a good mood. Right. But deep and abiding joy, like in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. Like mm-hmm. I saw it in them. And that really awoke my curiosity. Like what, what's going on in you? And they just kept encouraging me. Like, you know, Scott, you should take some time, read a little bit from the gospel, and then just talk to Jesus like you'd talk to a trusted friend. Mm-hmm. And I started to do that. Yeah. Very uh, irregularly, like here and there, <laughs> sure. a moment here, you know. Yeah. And I had no idea what I was doing. I felt very sheepish about it, but it made a real difference whenever I did. Right. If I was having a really bad week. I calmed down. Um, I started like, wow, look what's in here. So that was all growing my sophomore year of college. And then in the summer after my sophomore year, I had, uh, this was my summer. So I was in June, I was out in San Diego doing flight training. Okay. Uh, August, I had some fraternity stuff that I was supposed to go to for two weeks. And then I had July with nothing to do. And long story short, I ended up volunteering at a Bible camp in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota, run by Young Life. It's called Camp Castaway, right? Okay. And every week, 150 juniors from around the country come for a week of camp. The staff volunteers for a month. And my job happened to be a job where I was with the campers for all their activities every day. Oh, okay. Which the was fun really cool. stuff. Yeah. yeah. And and to hear the talks at night where there was a very dynamic presentation of the basic gospel message, mm-hmm. which concluded with like an invitation to all the campers to invite Jesus into their heart, mm-hmm. you know, and that went to work on me. And I was with these very faith-filled people and I was really discovering the joy of service. Mm-hmm. Like I really like, oh, I just love like pouring myself out every day, trying to help people out, like right. doing whatever I can in my job and helping other people in their jobs. And I was finding a tremendous amount of joy in that. And one Monday, the third Monday of the month, I woke up and my waking thoughts were this. God has a plan for my life. That plan is how I'm going to be most happy. And I've never asked God what that plan is. <laughs> and I should. And no one had ever told me these things. I just woke up. That was literally my waking thoughts. You really remember that. Absolutely. Yeah. Clear as a bell. And the more I thought about it through the morning, the happier I was getting. <laughs> like by lunchtime, I'm pretty sure I was sort of levitating around the campus. <laughs> Right. Like, what is with that what guy? <laughs> and we're eating hot dogs at lunch. And this guy from the grounds crew, his name is Skinny, comes up. He's like, hey, you're Scott, right? I'm like, yeah, Skinny? Yeah, yeah. He's like, I think you're supposed to have this. Now, Skinny's a Calvinist. And he hands me this sheet of paper, which he received in a care package from his mom that morning when the mail arrived. Okay. Who was also a Calvinist. And it's the prayer of John Cardinal Newman, this famous convert, mm-hmm. English convert to Catholicism. And the prayer starts off, right? So I woke up that morning. God has a plan. That's how I'm going to be most happy. I never asked him what that plan, but I, I should, and I want to. And this, like, this is so exciting. And then this prayer is from Cardinal Newman that skinny hands to me. 
God has created me for some particular purpose. He's entrusted a task to me. He's not entrusted to another. I may not know that task in this life, but I'll be told in the next. I'm like, it's true. He's got a plan. And I was just like, it was incredible. Like God was definitely going the extra yard. Like, yes, he was. Like, extra miles. He's like, dude. Yeah, right. <laughs> Over Can't here. Can't miss it because he knew that's what I needed, right? And so um, I determined with the help of my, my conference, they're like, oh, you should go do mission work. What do you do for mission work? Oh, you know, you go build huts or right. water wells down in Latin America. I'm like, okay. So Sounds fun. <laughs> I go home and I tell my family, like, I'm going to go take a year off and do mission work. Yeah. And I called the Navy up and I said, hey, can I get a leave of absence for a year to go do mission work and ask God what his plan for my life is? <laughs> and they're like, no, if you don't come back, you, you lose your scholarship um, and we're going to send you a bill for $30,000. Ooh. <clears throat> my parents were not thrilled. No, I bet they were right? not. They're like, what kind of crazy cult did you just join? <laughs> and why are you ruining your life? It was kind of that. I thought kinda, you were going to do something useful. <laughs> right. And, uh, but I, and thanks be to God. Uh, he just gave me in that time, there is a, a charismatic gift of faith where in a particular situation, I just know with certainty that God is here and this is how he's going to work. Mm-hmm. And I just knew without question in that time that this was going to work out just fine. Like my parents had a real, like they had a real point. Yeah, (laughs) they had a real point and their concern was certainly expressed out of a lot of love for me. So I'm, uh, I'm looking for something to do in the fall. The Navy's going to, I'm going to get kicked out of the Navy, turn my uniforms (laughs) and uh, all the hut builders wanted nothing to do with me. Like I'm calling up these mission organizations and either because I hadn't finished college or I had the wrong background. It's because you weren't supposed to be there, Father Scott. (laughs) And thanks be to God. Eventually I found out about NET, the Mm -hmm. national evangelization teams whose headquarters are 15 minutes from my house in the Twin Cities, though I'd never heard of them. And so I called them up and asked if I could apply uh, for this year. And they mm-hmm. said, well, why don't you wait a year? I'm like, I don't have a year to wait. Like, I just, I just quit blew school. up my life. <laughs> like the nuclear hand grenade threw out. I got to keep running forward. And um, they let me apply. And actually, the day training started, I was accepted on net. So I packed up my bag. And a week later, I was at net training. Net training changed my life. Yeah. I made my first confession since my first confession. Um, I was learning things about the faith that I was, I'm sure, taught in my right. four years at school, but never really sunk in. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, this is amazing. What had happened starting at Camp Castaway with the word of God really coming alive, like I just couldn't get enough of spending time in the gospels. Like, like God is really speaking to me. Like, this, look what this is saying. And it's true. Mm-hmm. Again, that was more of that gift of faith. And then to have the experience throughout the year, uh, to take an hour of prayer each day, regular reception of the sacraments, amazing friendships on my net team, and then doing the work of leading these retreats and seeing how powerfully God would work in the lives of these 7th to 12th graders. It was an amazing year. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the whole time is like, God, what do you what do you have planned for my life? Were you starting to get scared at this point? No, no, no it wasn't. No, no okay. it was not a fear thing. Good. Like, it was an amazing, God, again, I think he knew I couldn't handle much fear. I don't. I didn't have much courage. <laughs> Okay. I'm more courage today. Thanks be to God, but then not so much courage. And, um, so, uh, as the year went on, I thought for sure God was calling me to Christian marriage because I were staying with amazing host families, but we got to a place and I found myself, I won't tell this whole story, but I was in a janitor's closet asking God to raise up good priests for the church. Cause this priest we'd been at in the town before kind of like screamed at his people in Sunday mass. And like, they got up in the pews and were screaming back <laughs> It was like chaos wow. at the end of the street. You're like, what's going on? And I was just, I didn't know anything that was happening on. I'm like, Jesus, like, please raise up good priests for these amazing families mm-hmm. that we're staying with. And I heard clear as a bell, Jesus say in my heart, I want you to be my priest. Mm-hmm. 
And I could never deny that moment uh, that that's what I heard from God. It was clear as a bell. And my initial reaction to that was like, oh, (laughs) like I thought I was really open to that (laughs) until that moment. And thanks be to God. He gave me this really grace of a prayer. Like, God, I trust that what you have planned is going to be what's best for me because you love me. Um, But you see in my heart this like, oh, (laughs) okay. You have to watch the video and see his face when he says that. (laughs) If that's what you have planned for me, like you need to give me the desire to do it. Mm -hmm. And if that's what you want, give me the desire and I'll do it. And I'll just tell you over the succeeding months, he gave me a tremendous desire to pursue the priesthood. There's a lot more to that story. Thanks be to God. But uh, that was, that was the moment of the call. And um, I finished my year with net. I went back to college for my junior year and then left for good to pursue seminary for the diocese of Sioux Falls. Starting in 1994. Yeah. So what did your family think when you were like, I'm going to go be a priest and go to seminary? <laughs> yeah. So uh, like my mom and dad are beautiful Catholics. Uh, mm-hmm. My mom passed away five and a half years ago. Uh, my dad just celebrated his 89th birthday. Oh, wow. Happy birthday, dad. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, they're very faithful Catholics, mm-hmm. right? And um, the, but when I said I'm going to the seminary, so when they, when I left for net, it was like, what are you doing? You're Why already you do- in trouble. <laughs> that started to change for them when we came back home during our Christmas break during my year on net. Okay. Because I had all my teammates over and they saw that I was a different person and I was actually more myself. Oh, sure. And my mom and dad who loved me saw that and it really started like, oh, I think this is a really good thing that he's doing. Yeah. You know? And then a year and a half later, as I'm like, yep, I'm going into the seminary. Uh I think they were like, well, if you think that's what you should do, it's kind of a little more neutral, right? But as time went on, the love and the support uh, came along. Yeah. So by the time ordination came around in 2000, just all sorts of love and support and they're proud of their little boy. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny when you said, um, I was, they thought I was more myself. That's not the first time I've heard that from a priest oh. as they were going through, uh, discerning and seminary and stuff that they became more themselves. Yeah. Can you explain that just a little bit? Sure. Um, Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's easy for any of the parents who are listening, like, you know, your child and you see the things that hinder them. Right. And for me, like I was, I was painfully shy growing up. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, I find that hard to believe. I know people do. That's a whole other story. (laughs) You can do another episode of that some other time. Uh, That's true. And it was also true in college. Um, because I wasn't pursuing discipleship, growing relationship with God, there was a lot of boredom and cynicism and just basic kind of that uh, grinding kind of unhappiness. Not Mm -hmm. like I was doing good things. I was being really successful. It looked great in the world's eyes. Right. But yeah, the the cynicism, the jadedness, the boredom was pretty chronic. Mm -hmm. And I think I probably was rather intolerable to be around. (laughs) Like, I think I would have really. (laughs) Okay. Well, that hasn't changed. (laughs) I'm Ah, kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Thanks everybody. (laughs) And that's uh, really interesting. Yeah. So I think my parents saw like the unleashing of a real joy and an optimism and uh, um, just a freedom that I didn't have before. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay. So you've been a priest for 20 years. 20 years. Going to be 21 years this year. summer. Yeah. Um, What's been your favorite part of being a priest? Oh, wow. I mean, you've done a lot of different things so far. You've been to yeah. several parishes, Newman Centers. Yep. I've been a tribunal judge. I've run a seminary in parishes, Newman Center. Like, I've had and a now lot here of, at the diocese. Now I'm working at the Doing diocese, crazy things. Doing crazy things, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, 
going through seminary, the thing that kept me going through seminary was my experiences in the summer back in the parish to be around people and seeing the life and ministry that was ahead of me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had a very high expectation for the things that I didn't like about seminary. Like it would totally be worth it to be a priest. Okay. And uh, boy, so I had a pretty high bar for like what priesthood was going to (laughs) be as a payoff. And I can say that God is, is so far exceeded all those very high expectations. It's an amazing life oh, that's for great. the man to whom God is called, that God is called to be a priest. Yeah. It is in a totally amazing life. So to narrow down what's, what do I love the most? I mean, it has to be the celebration of the sacraments, right. the mass, but to hear confessions. But I think those things at the service of maybe, uh, I mean, what I, I take the most delight in is to see people come alive in a lived experience of God's love for them. And then the the transformation that happens in life, the healing that happens in life, the coming alive that happens in life when that happens. Yeah. To to like have my whole vocation be about uh, providing opportunities through the ministry of the church for that to happen, for people to encounter the reality of God and see the power of God at work in their life. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. Well, I think that you kind of have a special gift for um, bringing that out in people, at least what I've seen so far. So you, and you've done a lot of work at Broomtree mm, doing yes. retreats. Yes. Um, and of course now you're here at the diocese working on helping people meet God, you know, fall in love with God and mm-hmm. live that. So can you just talk a little bit about your current role here at the diocese and, and how that's been different? You know, has it been bad leaving the parish? Has it been okay for you? Yeah. Well, like I said, like you said, I, I've done a lot of different mm-hmm. assignments in 20 years mm-hmm. as a priest. And they're, they're all quite different from each other. And thanks be to God, I've really loved every one of them. Yeah. Uh, every parish I've been assigned to, my Newman Centers, the seminary work, the things at Broomtree, like, there's, I just really deeply enjoy everything I've been invited to do. Mm-hmm. Thanks be to God. Um I'm so currently I'm the vicar for lay and clergy formation for the diocese, which is a new role. We haven't had right. one of those previously to Bishop DeGroote. Right. So he came up with this need and this role and he asked me to do it. So um, my job, especially with the discipleship and evangelization part of the job, uh, is to help build a culture of lifelong Catholic missionary discipleship through God's love mm-hmm. throughout the diocese. What does that mean? It means to help every parish, every school, every Catholic group in the diocese hear this vision from the bishop, that this is the bishop's vision. It's not just a, a motto for the year, <laughs> right. a theme for the year or something. No, this is like, we're all about this all the time. This is the thing. And which is, of course, it's just a restatement of the Great Commission from Jesus. It's, it's the thing of the church. Right. And this is a beautiful uh, articulation of it for our diocese. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's the thing. And so to help, so our job, uh, me and the team I work with, the amazing people I work with, um, yourself included. Oh, sure. <laughs> all mm-hmm. One big happy team of the chancer here. Like, is to help every parish and school and Catholic group hear that vision, understand what it means, and then, like, seek the inspiration of God. Like, what can this look like in our parish, in our school, in our group, in my family? Right. And to be, to have, like, the freedom to dedicate full time, uh, animating people, like engaging with that vision and responding to it, and see the awesome things that God raises up and does. It's a it's a great great job, and I must say, uh, the ability to work with the people I work with here at our chancery is phenomenal. Yeah, what a great group yeah, of people. There's really great people yeah. here to work with. Okay, so the last question I want to ask you is probably um, maybe the most important one. 
So uh, if you had a young man in college or whatever age come to you and say, "Um, I think I'm thinking about being a priest. I might have heard something I really wasn't ready to hear. (laughs) What do I do? Do it and you're cool. Do it and you're cool. (laughs) I might do something else. Um, I hope so. (laughs) By all means. And first of all, to testify, if this is what God has planned for your life, it is the best life ever. Right. Right. And, uh, and that's, that is the, that's the truth of it. So, um, I think I'd also share like this, um, when I was in seminary for a while, I I thought back to my desire to be a Navy pilot Mm -hmm. and I was kind of asking God, like, God, this is great. Like, this is awesome. You're calling me and preparing me to be a priest. What about that Navy pilot thing? What was that all about? (laughs) Was that just a waste of all my dreams from seventh grade to my sophomore year of college? And Jesus asked me, he's like, well, why did you want to be a pilot? I'm like, well, and so I had to think about that for a while. I'm like, well, I wanted to do something that was really challenging. I wanted to do something that was adventurous, something that demanded the best of me, that make a real difference in the world. And where I was part of a team and something bigger than just myself. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of like, those were the things that came to mind and kind of listening down. And Jesus is like, that's exactly right. I gave you those desires and see what happened is like connect the dots. When I connected the dots, the only picture that came to mind was, Oh, like Navy pilot that fits all those desires. (laughs) That's what was in my imagination. And Jesus is like, yeah, no, I gave you those desires. Those aren't aren't set aside, but I gave you those desires and this is how they're meant to fit together. And he showed me the priesthood. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's really important for anyone who's discerning any vocation that they take stock of the desires in their heart that Mm -hmm. are consoling and life-giving uh, and they present them to God, like, God, this is what I desire. And whatever's in this desire that's from you, build it up and make it stronger. Mm-hmm. And if there's any part of this that's not from you, just take it away. Right. And he will do that so that uh, the main driving desires of our heart, like what we're longing for, will lead us on the plan that he has proposed for us. So if a man came, he's like, yeah, I kind of think I'm supposed to be a priest. I want to listen to those desires mm-hmm. and encourage him to keep offering those desires back to God. With that kind of freedom, God, you build up what's from you here and take away anything that isn't. And if over time those desires continue, like not like 10 years, but like right. over <laughs> whatever time they're trying to make this decision in, yeah. they see that those desires are increasing yeah. and pointing in that direction, like go for it because it's totally worth it. Mm-hmm. It's Yes, it's a life of sacrifice. It's a life you – everything I imagined about being a priest <laughs> – you know, that I would enjoy it. I enjoy it much more. Oh, that's great. But everything that I sort of thought like, oh, this is what priesthood will be like. Like (laughs) so many different other things, so many unexpected things, but so much better than I could have ever imagined. Yeah. And married people know this in their vocations. Like you think you know what your life's going to be like with the person (laughs) you married and like, oh my gosh, like, you know, it's just a, a great, great adventure. That's great. It's, it, that's why I like having, uh, you priests come in and, and tell us your story because we can't imagine what, what it's like. So it's good to hear it. And it's good to hear that it's so joyful. Yeah. Thanks for being here, Father Scott. Thanks, There's probably Renee. a million things Thanks we could still talk about with all of that. But again, we have to let Bergwald come in and do some stuff. <laughs> it's always about him. It's always about the Bergwald, but <laughs> yes, we know. That's true. Thanks for being here. You bet. Thank you. All right. Uh, if you aren't following us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram yet, you can find us at SF Diocese. And you can also find these shows uh, recorded on video at, on YouTube at SF Diocese. So I hope you'll join us there. Uh, That's it for us today. Join us again next week for more Catholic Views.